Welcome to Millennial Rewind, where we take a not-so-sentimental look at the movies and TV shows that were around when millennials were growing up. I'm your host, Nick, coming to you from the low country in South Carolina. Joining me from the City of Angels, Los Angeles, is my co-host, Jules. Jules, how are you doing today? I left my rational mind in 2019, Nick. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't we all? And coming from Los Angeles' redheaded stepchild, the Inland Empire, our other co-host, John. John, what's happening? I feel bad because i didn't have a witty remark planned (laughs) (laughs) and that is why you live in the inland empire (laughs) as opposed to los angeles saying jules just slam dunked that shit (laughs) that's gonna be the only line that's actually worth a damn guys so i hope you enjoyed it (laughs) that that's it the podcast over all right good job good job This movie is going to be, the remake is coming out around the time this episode is going to air. We watched the original 1995 Mortal Kombat movie. That's right. Sorry. And now we're sued. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way we're close to monetized yet. Now, John, how would you tell somebody you had just watched Mortal Kombat without saying Mortal Kombat? I would say I spent a fair to middling time with the only decent video game movie. (laughs) I think that's setting a high bar. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, decent. It's the only one that's reached that point. And Jules, if the producers had come to you in 1995 and asked you to give this movie a different title... What would you have told them? Well, I was kind of torn between two. On the one hand, there was Johnny Cage and the Temple of Lost Luggage. (laughs) God. I like it. If you haven't seen the movie, that is going to make a whole lot of sense when we break it down. It's basically a plot point. Yeah. (laughs) I'm getting ahead of myself, but if you watch this movie, there is a secret story about Johnny Cage on a desperate search for his luggage. (laughs) And uh, I have a fan theory, which I will reveal later on in the show, which I firmly believe. Okay. So bear with me All on right. that. All right. But, uh, but the other title was Repeated Lines, The Reclarifying. Okay. Now, just one more time, in case anyone missed it. Repeated Lines, The Reclarifying. Just so you can tell that doesn't get annoying so this movie came out in 1995 uh some of us were still kids back then Uh, others of us were maybe just past being a kid but mortal Kombat was massive you know everyone was playing it on the cool kids sega the genesis there we go yeah your genesis or your or your super nintendo where they remove the blood I mean, it was it was always in the um, in the arcades, wasn't it? You know, whenever you went to the arcade, you'd always take a quick scan of of which games were available, and there was always one Mortal Kombat that was always used by someone else and was greasy with nerd sweat. Oh yes. When you were going to say what was available, it was going to be never Mortal Kombat. <laughs> and the A button was always broken. You know. See, I was never allowed to have TV games because we had a computer. We had computer games, and my parents like you spend way too much time in front of the TV anyway. We're not buying you that, so I would only get to play Mortal Kombat at my cousin's house, my older cousin's house. 
and these these are the cousins like you're going to hear more about them as this podcast goes on but they are essentially the reason why i was exposed to so many corrupting influences and they didn't even it wasn't even active it was just i went over to their place they were their way at school and they just happened to have all this shit lying around so and i think we should acknowledge that mortal combat was the worst thing since satanism i mean everyone thought that these pixelated bonks going back and forth <laughs> was somehow going to lead to the return of the antichrist i mean it's the reason why i have so many dead animals buried in my backyard that plus you're so well adjusted you know i am not well adjusted but he did move from where those bodies are. yes they're suitably haunted the ghost of fluffy is absolutely wandering the hallways um so as we were kind of talking like right before we started recording uh john you're the only one who had actually seen this before this past year yeah <laughs> yeah which is kind of amazing to me um i had to have seen it at a friend's house i don't remember exactly when i first saw it but as we we're mentioning you know like none of our parents would have let us go anywhere near it even just with the title it's a pg-13 movie it's really harmless for the most part but just because it's mortal combat you know that thing was not allowed it's it's power rangers level aggression there's less sparks. Fewer <laughs> sparks. We will we will get to the sparks of Mortal Kombat. But yeah, it's like it, it's what's crazy to be watching this movie is that all of like most of the main actors were professional martial artists. Yeah. And I can't help but think so this was directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, who would go on to do the Resident Evil franchise, uh, definitely on the list. He found his niche. He found his mm-hmm. niche for sure. And I can't help but think that during the course of this movie, during the fight scenes, Paul W.S. Anderson was just going, No, do it worse. No, that's too good. No, I need this to suck. <laughs> well, I mean, even even with good martial artists if you don't have a good fight choreographer yeah you're gonna have you know shit where you can look at um a show like into the badlands and someone like nick frost has insanely good fight scenes because they got the right talent to choreograph and shoot it (laughs) well i think paul anderson knew that uh, the CGI would more than make up for the lack of fight choreography. Oh, you mean the CGI that they did on a Commodore 64? That CGI. It is the most pristine CGI. I mean, this is this is the time is of beautiful. Jurassic Park and other such superb. Yes, we are in a superb CGI. But this world. one takes them and says, "You know what? We can do it better. We will do it better." And what they end up with is is just remarkable. I, I have a small correction. I think they looked at it and said, well, we could do it better. But do we want to? It's almost 1230. <laughs> <laughs> God, the guys who did like the, the I'm blue, dabu dee, dabu die music video, look at Mortal Kombat and say, hey, at least we didn't do it that way. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. So I think, Jules, uh, you had a crazy fact. We were talking about this earlier. There were so, like you said there were like three dialogue coaches on this movie. There were three dialogue assistants. And let me tell you, as the dialogue goes throughout this movie, you can tell not one of them was talking to each other. Two of them were passive aggressively, you know, 
telling each of their characters to steal the other characters' lines and it somehow ended up in the same cut. <laughs> Meanwhile, the third one was just sticking with Kano and just said, you haven't said baby for two seconds. I think you have to say baby again. <laughs> yeah, and it's great because these are like all the main cast are like native English speakers. Why do they need three dialogue coaches? <laughs> Quite baffling, yeah. I, I mean, although we'll we'll get into it uh, just now, but yeah, I mean, I think that when you look at the acting, they needed those dialogue coaches because, <laughs> I mean, maybe they fired two and a third. <laughs> it kept getting screwed up. I don't know, but either way, it's it's that that was a baffling discovery. Yeah, Shang Tsung just kept killing the dialogue assistants <laughs> and just taking their salt and like god damn it we need another one. Oh my god all right well uh we've kind of bantered about this enough we're gonna take a quick break and when we're back we will start discussing the 1995 uh movie question mark that was mortal kombat Hello, everyone. I'm Karen, the event coordinator here at Mortal Kombat. Uh, it's the 90s, so the name Karen hasn't become socially unacceptable yet. Hi, Hi Karen. Karen. All right, so we have a really tight schedule, so please pay attention. First, we have dinner, after which you'll have to figure out your sleeping arrangements because we haven't. Uh, yes, you, sir. Yes, hi, Liu Kang. Does this tournament have any rules? Uh, yes, it does, but I'm not going to tell you any. Uh, instead, Raiden and Shang Tsung will reveal some of them to you over the course of the tournament in a way that makes you think that they're pulling them out of their asses. Now, if you look at your orientation kits... Hey, Johnny Cage, famous movie star. I had a lot of bags, and I was wondering if you could have an Asian person bring them up. I tried to get Jackie Chan to do it, but he was a dick about it. My name is Liu Kang. Sure is, Jet Li. Okay, we'll worry about your bags later. Now the fights will be in a random order that makes no sense and will leave people wondering how any side is actually progressing. Uh, yes, Mr. Cage. I saw a big black dude with cornrows earlier. Maybe you could have him bring up my bags? Dude, you're such a racist entitled dickhead. How are we friends at the end of this? I know, right? all right and we're back the opening of this movie is already incredible um for anybody who hasn't heard the mortal Kombat song you need to pause this podcast you need to go wherever the hell music is and you need to listen to it Again and again and again. And you need to dedicate your life to this song because it is incredible. This has to be on your Get Psyched mix. I don't care who you are. If you are getting psyched for something, you play this song. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, forget Eye of the Tiger, Mortal Kombat. Mm -hmm. Nothing makes you want to fight like a granny in a Denny's more than the Mortal Kombat song. How many grannies have you fought at Denny's? Uh, my lawyer has asked me to not talk about any alleged incidents in a Denny's, so <laughs> that is my official answer. About not it. just granny fights. So we have Mortal Kombat, the song goes, we get the New Line Cinema logo, and then the a sweet, like the probably just like the best graphics of the whole movie. They spent it all on this like opening <laughs> sequence, just a sweet flaming Mortal Kombat logo. They're trying to do like a crazy version of the uh, Batman 89 intro where you're going through the logo 
as it's spinning around. And they're like, you know what? Fucking fireballs. That's what we need. I mean, fucking fireballs could have just been the tagline of this movie. So if you want to live a happy life, just play that intro and then and then don't watch the rest of the movie. Yeah. And, and you're good. Yeah, th- then this movie is a 10 out of 10 if you just watch the first five seconds. I legitimately enjoy this movie. I think it brings happiness. It has a suitable level of camp that's built into it. It's got its humor. And then and then it just offers so much more without intending to. Oh, don't get me wrong. I, I, I smiled many times and got psyched up many times, but the movie did keep disappointing. Well, because it won't let you forget that song. We'll get to this when we get to those moments, but I have a bone to pick with those moments because... Anyway. Openings, we are in a, a temple, and instead of filming at night and lighting it correctly, they just put a really shitty ND filter to make it seem like it's dark outside over the lens. Spooky didgeridoo music, and there's you just see like two Asian dudes just standing there. I thought those were those were monk voices. I apparently can't tell the difference between didgeridoos and monk voices. Maybe I'm I'm just thinking monk voices because there's an excess of monks in this movie. Oh, there are. So we see two Asian guys just standing there. And because these are two Asian guys in a 90s movie, they immediately start kung fu fighting. You can either be a nerd or you can be a martial artist. That is all Hollywood lets you do if you're an Asian man in the 90s. And there is a lot of slow motion. But it's not slow motion where they're ramping the speed or something. It's just the actors moving slowly. Yeah, you feel like the cinematographer didn't even have to do that. You could have just <laughs> just allowed it to play at normal speed and it would have appeared slow motion. I think this was a practice session of the fight. Picturing the actors talking to the director, you're not going to use this in the final cut of the film. Like, no, no, of course not. Yeah, no, no, we're, we're totally not just going to chroma key the sky out to make it cloudy. It's, CGI, you know. electricity, you know, lion sound effect. <laughs> right. One of them is wearing red pajamas. The other one is wearing black because he's, spoiler alert, the bad guy. They have this fight and he kicks the guy in the red pajamas ass and he crushes his spine. And he looks directly into the camera, directly into the camera and says, your brother's soul is mine. You will be next. And then his face melts into a rainbow skeleton. There was definitely some weird chromatic thing going on with this skeleton face. And then, great movie cliche, guy wakes up in a bed, shoots straight up. As we all do. Just completely upright. I'm a side sleeper, and I wind up somehow. I mean, there's a spring attached to the back of the bed, which just launches you up. (laughs) (laughs) And this is Liu Kang. Anybody who's played the games knows who Liu Kang is. Sporting the mulletist of mullets. Oh my god. He is more mullet than man it's moving past mullet stage though it's fluffy it's almost layered it's it's <laughs> it's like the beyond meat of mullets you can't believe it's really a mullet i can't believe it's not mullet <laughs> but it's so much better than you could possibly imagine it to be this is healthier than a mullet but you can still tell <laughs> And of course, you know how he keeps having these fever dreams is he uh, bathes his bedroom in an in intense green. I was just about to say, the, okay, the, the lighting in this movie is insane, right? It's all over the place. He wakes up and it's just solid green. Not that the Matrix was like a very subtle green to indicate. It's just they put a green gel on the camera and just made it look jello. <laughs> I think that was the direction. I want this to look 
like a jello shot. So he gets up out of bed and looks at this telegram that tells him his brother's dead. Yes. He 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 gets a telegram in 1995. <laughs> Do you see that before going to sleep and it caused him to have a bad dream? Or is this supposed to be, holy shit, I just dreamt this. Even though it was sitting up on the desk. <laughs> I John, I think you're giving this more thought than the writers of this movie did. I was more distracted by the fact that it was signed grandfather. <laughs> that, that's the... Yeah, but that's the part I miss. All families speak that way, you know, whenever I <laughs> sign something, I sign it son or yes. uh, brother. Right, but as we get to the scenes with Grandfather, that's how he refers to him. He doesn't use a name. Wait a second, I'm not Grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> so after after Liu Kang, you know, has, has his little exposition, Graham, we go to another scene. It's it's Hong Kong, and it's introduced by unnecessary dult, Dutch tilt on just a wall of TVs. And Sonya Blade bursts out in just cheesy 90s tactical gear, yelling 60 seconds to target as she walks down this thing with Jax, who's next to her. He gets ignored in this movie, by the way. He gets absolutely ignored. Absolutely a token character. And all movies in the... This is my theory. All movies in the 90s are the Matrix because you have to have an underground metal scene. So they go through this wave of ravers who, despite the fact that this is Hong Kong, are almost exclusively white. And I would like to point out that she punches and hits everyone as she goes. Yeah. <laughs> Every one of these characters has a, the most awful introduction. Liu Kang tries to beat up someone who he thinks is a beggar. Sonya beats up a bunch of bystanders. And Johnny Cage shouts at the director. <laughs> these are three terrible people. Johnny Cage has the best introduction in this whole movie, all right? Yeah, I know. She beats up these random people. And nobody really reacts to it. There's like the... Like, <laughs> so I don't true. know. If you've ever been to a party and somebody comes in and just starts beating the shit out of people, people don't keep partying. There's a situation here. Holding a shotgun. Holding a shotgun out and pointed. No one notices. They're clearly elite forces, so, I mean, they must know what they're doing. No one even moves. I'm just going to keep dancing. I don't know if you guys know, they just welded these enormous mag lights to the <laughs> top of the gun. <laughs> even the people who got hit. <laughs> yes, the flashlights on the guns. These three foot long, I could beat you to death with just the flashlight flashlights <laughs> so as sonia blade is making her way through the crowd with her fucking i don't know <laughs> police brutality flashlight <laughs> yeah doing police brutality <laughs> so yeah so while this is going on while she's making her way through the crowd we meet kano and by the way sonia blade never mentions why she's going after kano she's just going after kano we don't know what he did or but we're about to find out are we though yes Okay, maybe I totally missed this. Yeah. But... This is my other other gripe about the movie is that aside from repeating each other's lines, as they so often do, 90% of what these characters talk about are each other's characters. They're just explaining why these characters are who they are and do what they it's do. Just, yeah, exposition. Yep. Just over and over again, you know, you find out so many times that Katana is 10,000 years old. <laughs> yeah, this, this scene literally has, for some reason, Kano unsure that Sonya's gonna chase him? And Shang Tsung's, well, of course, because you killed her partner. You know, it's almost a, as you already know, moment. Oh, yeah. 
pretty much all the lines could be preceded by as you already know. Yes, that is 50% of the dialogue in this film. So he gets a call saying that Sonya Blade is coming. Oh, when we get to the rules. (laughs) And he turns to Shang Tsung. And so Shang Tsung is the the evil bad guy who killed Liu Kang's brother in the opening scene. And he says, I love punctuality in a woman. Don't you, Mr. Shang Tsung? He does say Shane Tsung. Which was absolutely special. From an Australian, you can't say Shang. You have to say Shane. I would say that that was a great use of accent. That's just how I address people. By your full name. And uh, if it does bug you who the the actor is who played Kano, he also played the grapple guy in Pirates of the Caribbean. Because that was bugging me throughout the first time I watched this movie. Where you saw him from? The grapple guy. I knew he looked familiar. So basically, Shang Tsung's telling Kano that he's got to get Sonya Blade to the tournament. And so that happens. I guess they leave. One of the goons just comes out and she just shoots him. They need special forces, man. That's like, like, no, yeah. So basically, no, no, and actually, and the reason why, and the reason why this is ridiculous. So sending an armed goon out. Oh, I need Sonya Blade for this tournament. Let me go send a guy with a gun to try and shoot her. <laughs> and he does shoot first. Although I like to think there was uh, an earlier cut where all the fans are still complaining because in the original cut, Sonya shot first. Oh my... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. I went there. Wow, you went there. This is the special edition, people. Isn't this edition special enough? (laughs) (laughs) So very special. So, we leave Hong Kong... Definitely not Hong Kong. And we are now in a hangar, and this dude is walking into the hangar looking oh so cool. And there are just four guys standing menacingly around a black SUV. And then a fight breaks out. And when you saw this for the first time just a year ago, because we would have just movie nights, and that's sort of where this podcast came from. I remember you making fun of this because of the way that they all move up to attack one at a time. And I'm just sitting there going, this is a better movie than you think it is. <laughs> oh, yes, because, you know, Johnny Cage, who we'll, we'll learn this is Johnny Cage, beats up three of them. And then the fourth one doesn't quite get his blocking right. No, you're supposed to fall down. And then it gets into a yelly fight and no cut. And as we all know, actors are the ones that call cut. He gets into a yelly fight with the director who I have here as Discount Steven Spielberg. Which it actually was. Spielberg was supposed to actually play this because he loved Mortal yeah. Kombat. Spielberg wanted to be in the movie and for some reason maybe it would just cost too much. I don't know why. It was a scheduling conflict apparently. Oh, scheduling conflict. Yeah, he looked at the uh, the script. I have a very full schedule <laughs> all of a sudden. We've had the movie cliche of it turned out to be a dream. And it turned out to be a movie set all within the opening 20 or so minutes. If you have movie cliche bingo card at the ready, which you should do, what else are you going to do? We need to actually get some of those made. We talk about it enough. (laughs) (laughs) Because we've, oh man, we have seen some bad movie cliches. Like, favorite, and subscribe if you want a movie cliche list. But yeah, (laughs) what you want to do is just take... Take off all of those boxes. Every single one. It really, every bit gets covered. And so Johnny is very pissed. And his whole character motivation is that everybody thinks he's a fake martial artist. And no, he's not. He's super duper a real martial artist, you guys. And so he goes 
off to his trailer because, you know, that's where pissed off actors go. And he goes to his chair and somebody is sitting in his chair and he is not happy about that. And he's the guy who's in the sitting in the chair has a national Enquirer that says, is Johnny Cage fake or something like that? Because, you know, this movie isn't on the nose enough as it is. And apparently this is Master Boyd. Who's Master Boyd? Who the fuck knows? I guess we're supposed to assume that maybe trained Johnny Cage. I don't know. And he kind of looks like a fat Sam Neill, but how Sam Neill looks today. That's how I would describe the guy sitting in his chair. And he tells them, hey, if you want people to you know, take you seriously, you should come fight at this tournament. And he gives them a scroll. And he's the only one who gets a scroll out of all the people that go to the tournament. It's very true. You know? <laughs> yeah. So here's this plot device that is completely irrelevant after this scene. And so Master Boyd walks away. It turns out that he's a shape-shifting Shang Tsung. So Shang Tsung not only has killed Liu Kang's brother, he's also manipulating things behind the scenes, trying to get people to this tournament. I took this to mean that he had killed Master Boyd. And that's why he was able to take his form. Yeah, I think that's right. But there are issues with Shang Tsung's plan here, which we'll get to as we... There are? <laughs> there are? It's, it's very confusing. It's, it, I, I never understood why he gave Johnny Cage the, the scroll in the first place. Well, this is the thing. I, I was going to wait a little bit more until it was a bit more specific. But they keep mentioning the rules in this movie. And I think it first happens on the boat. That's forbidden by the rules. But we never really know what the rules state. Oh, they're adding rules right up until the very end of this movie. It's supposed to be Shang Tsung's playing fair because it's supposed to be the best fighters. So that's why he's going around giving these invites. But it's never really said why. Why are these people the best fighters? Yeah, especially in a world where Jackie Chan exists. Muhammad Ali <laughs> still existed at this point. There are some really awesome fighters. I don't think they picked the best three on Earth. Let's get Mike Tyson in there. So Liu Kang <laughs> returns home. He's He was, was in America. That's where we met him. And all the monks at the, the monastery where he, I guess, was raised are all just waiting for him and all like facing the same direction of the riverboat. Yeah, he... I had this note too. Is this sp is specifically because they knew Liu Kang was coming? Or they're like, holy fuck, there's a boat. Everyone, everyone, welcome ceremony. Welcome ceremony. Literally everyone is waiting for this little boat to arrive. L listen, guys, monks are cool. And we're going to have more monks in our movie than any <laughs> other movie in history. They spent way more on monks than anything else in this movie. This They had a really high monk budget and nothing else. And here's the thing. We're going to see like a lot of the monks throughout the next couple of scenes. And they have kids who are involved in this monastery. And no women. And all the kids, I, they all look so bored. <laughs> they all look so bored. Hey, you're going to be in this awesome action movie. Man, I I'm fucking bored right now. Why do I got to wear this stupid sash? Shave my head. I'm miserable. That is the look on every single kid's face. And there's a long epic tracking shot where these monk kids run up the path towards where Liu Kang is speaking to the elders. Yeah, almost as if they're doing a torch relay or something, but just with these little flags. Now, before we get there, because this is very important, 
As he gets off the boat, he meets his grandfather, and his grandfather tells him that his brother died training for the tournament, and Liu Kang's, I don't believe in the tournament. Next scene, that very right. scene that you guys were talking about, Liu Kang immediately reverses himself and says that he wants to fight in the fucking tournament. <laughs> I am here to fight in the tournament. <laughs> that is the, like, I be- not from I don't believe to... I want to go fight and avenge my brother. What? <laughs> that something was missing from the script. I can respect Liu Kang as someone who, you know, no matter how firm you may hold some beliefs, he's willing to change. As we will see very soon, once again, when he meets Raiden. So, again, more bored looking kids and the elders are not happy that he went to America. And then Lord Raiden shows up. And for anybody who's played Mortal Kombat, this is, you know, the the lightning guy with the, the, the that I don't know what the, the hat is called, the Asian circular hat that kind of has a point in the center. Not played by an Asian dude. He is played by the fucking Highlander. And there is that awesome long walk where he holds his hat over his eyes. It's wonderfully awkward. And then when he reveals it, he just lifts his hat. <laughs> Character intro. White guy. <laughs> With this incredible wig. I mean, he's he's got some Saruman hair going on. It's like Daenerys from fucking Game of Thrones level of... Between him and Lou, I'm just in... It's hairstyle heaven. They got a discount on wigs before this movie. They just, they, they decided But they're to go. such good wigs. They're such good wigs. You can hardly tell. Overlooked for best wigs, Oscar <laughs> in 1995. They're, they're probably filming this in 94. So there's kind of like some like back and forth between Raiden and, and Liu Kang. And then the grandfather, one of my favorite lines of my, the movie. Forgive him, Lord Raiden. American life has enfeebled his mind. Too much television. <laughs> Yes! It was so great! It was was so great! This has a great sense of humor about this movie. I love it. The part where Johnny's stuntman doesn't know to fall down little jokes like this i just love it so much oh desperately appealing to the parents and say see see the movie thinks it rots your brain Mm -hmm. so Liu kang is not very impressed with raiden and he tries to prove that he's ready for the tournament and gets lightly flipped over by raiden Which causes him to say, you really are, Raiden. It was it was so ridiculous. He attacked him when he thought he was a beggar. <laughs> wait, no, wait. I, he, why would he think he's a beggar? Living at the monastery, he would yeah. know. The question was, why does he think he's a beggar? There's no fucking reason to think that. You're on a monastery island. How do they have beggars? A monastery where he clearly would have grown up knowing who the fuck Lord Raiden was. So what is this? <laughs> Right. Earth does not send its best to the, the Mortal Kombat tournament at all because <laughs> he gets lightly flipped over. Is this the part where we get the uh, he's not ready cliche, by the way? Yes. He's not ready, my lord. Yes. But there's no one else. There's no one else cliche. So I hope you guys are really filling out that bingo card. That's got to be that's got to be crammed by now. I, I think I've completed three already. <laughs> I mean, out of six billion people, I think you can find one that doesn't get lightly flipped by Highlander. I don't think he could lightly flip me. It would take some effort. John is a slightly larger gentleman for those (laughs) for the listeners at home. I'd probably do an extra somersault because I am the absolute reverse. I'd be. I'm still. I'd still be spinning. (laughs) 
I, I don't land. I just keep going. Yeah. Jules is a human pixie <laughs> stick. That is the best description of his physical form. So now we are back in Hong Kong because this is where everyone's got to get on the boat to the tournament. And there's a limo driving down the jock. And we were talking about sparks earlier. There are so many sparks. That's, why are so on. many welders working overtime? Welders and grinders at night. It's and and it's all over the place. I mean, they, I hope they're getting time and a half or something. <laughs> oh my god! Just doing it on the like five locations, getting sparked on the dock. There's nine on the ship that's docked there. Oh wait! Just... Oh, I have a theory. This is the same director who did. Death race, isn't it? <laughs> so this is pre. You're, this is you're saying this is pre-production on Death Race as they're making the cars. Yes, look it up, fact check it. Pretty sure I'm right. <laughs> All right, so there's going to be like one devoted listener to this brand new podcast who's going to be looking that up. And so Johnny Cage gets out. He's got his bags. The Limo goes away and he sees that same National Enquirer thing and he's really bummed out because nobody thinks he can fight, gosh darn it. And he goes up to this guy and they have a talk. Who's this this character? Oh, Art Lean. Art Lean. He is the best. He is the nicest character in this entire movie. Apparently Art is a world-renowned champion martial artist because they recognize each other. And despite both being elite martial artists apparently had never met before either i mean i'm pretty sure the reason why they had art lean instead of jacks is because well it's a spoiler okay well let's let's not spoil it but yes that is the only reason they have art yes i thought so so i ha he looks like a slightly swollen dave chappelle the actor that they got for this so i just had him down as stung by a bee dave chappelle <laughs> <laughs> that, that is how I remember this. Don't you insult the only likable character in this movie? <laughs> yeah, he's he's likable and he's in it for all of ninety seconds. Yeah, I really, I really wanted to uh, go back and check. I didn't have the time to. You introduce Art here. You see him a little bit later at the welcome feast, and then he's out of the movie until his fight. Pretty much, yeah. Yes, and I wanted to. I, I wanted to get just how much time he was absent from when you last saw him for most of the movie it's almost More the entire movie so Liu kang comes onto the docks and johnny cage immediately like pulls out a so racist so racist yeah you're trying to make like <laughs> there's nothing to like about these characters hey take my bags oh you want me to take your bags yep so jo Liu kang takes the money grabs one of his bags and just chucks it into the harbor and then just gives him this shit-eating grin and walks off while pocketing his money. And Johnny Cage does nothing. He lets him do it. He quips. Good thing I didn't ask him to park the car. So then we see the this doc through um, Terminator Vision. Red, what the 90s thought was futuristic. And Sonya and Jax are scoping out the place, trying to find Kano. And this super fucking fake dragon ship comes out of this even faker smoke <laughs> even fakers yes there used to be this show in las vegas called treasure island and the ships they used for that show 
looked more real than this fucking thing. So this, you know, the the dinner theater pirates show has a has a more authentic looking ship. Oh my god. Tinder Theater Pirate Show has an awesome ship, and its deck is made out of trampolines. I will not have you bes- besmirch its good name. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's a date. Yeah. <laughs> so and, and so, there's no there's no crew. There's nothing. It docks, and Sonia sees Kano boarding, and she runs down to the dock. Yeah, but Jax has the best reaction to this because she's trying to hurry up because she sees Kano and she really wants to go get him. And even though she's already, I don't know how fucking far away, but Jax is like, Sonia, don't go in there. Sonia, what are you doing? Come on, Sonia. At like a good partner, just doesn't follow her. <laughs> just stands there. In half cover. Sonia, I'm supposed to be in this movie. No, Sonia. (laughs) And so they're on the ship and the ship just, I guess, leaves port. We don't see it. It's just at sea now. And Johnny Cage, he's got got four of his bags. He's hobbling along the deck. This is where his adventure begins. This is where his, yeah, his actual story begins. And he's immediately accosted by Sonia Blade, who puts a gun on under his chin. And we were talking about how bad the light was early, earlier with the green in Liu Kang's apartment. Now it's now blue. We get blue. It's the mm-hmm. same light, but it's just now it's blue. <laughs> again, again, they're just putting gels. They're just putting gels. Because, you know, there. night sky, blue. And apparently Sonya is going to everyone on the ship and sticking a gun up their chin and asking about Kano. Because, you know, that's in the police handbook. That is exactly in the police handbook. You get right up close to someone where they can also hit you, and <laughs> you interrogate them. And he says, you know, Johnny Cage's like, I don't know, but you know, I would I would help you if I did. And Sonya Blade just throws a little hissy fit, and then just storms off. Here's the thing that occurs to me. Sonya is the only person in this tournament that doesn't know it's a tournament right now. Nope. She's just on a ship, on a weird dragon ship. <laughs> She just totally gets tricked into this. And she is not a good actress. Um, oh, bless her, she tried. Did she, though? Did she? So <laughs> I like to think so. This was originally supposed to go to Cameron Diaz, this role. It, it, it uh, did go to Cameron Diaz, but she got injured and couldn't. Oh, she yes. broke her wrist and was unable to. So this was a last minute replacement. Right. So they found the, again, because they had run out of acting budget, they got this actress. And this movie was an inch away from Spielberg and Diaz. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) just think about her acting style. Like I was like like, analyzing her. She looks at all times like Busy Phillips smelled a fart. I think that's (laughs) the best way to describe the only facial expression she ever puts on. She looks exceedingly plastic. Like, <laughs> I'm fairly certain there are many dolls that look very similar to how she looks. I mean, to be fair, Johnny Cage also looks like he's made out of Oh, he, he does too, absolutely. To be fair. I'm pretty sure it must have been because they were trying to market toys or something. How plastic can we make them look? <laughs> so Sonya Blade goes below decks, and again, the same amount of blue lighting below <laughs> decks as there yes. is above yes. decks. It's just that one blue light. And down there, there's Shang Tsung. And this the, the, the B-plot of this movie is just Shang Tsung sexually harassing Sonya Blade. He really wants Sonya, yeah. It is just creepy. For very inadequate reasons. 
I mean, you know, she's not exactly not hot, but at the same time, hey, man, you're trying to take over. I mean, spoiler alert for the point of the movie. They're trying to take over Earthrealm. I mean, I will give this movie certain cred that it does not, at least I don't think it intentionally tries to put a love story in it. I mean, there's one potential scene where you could debate that they tried to jam it in there, but I don't think there's actually a love story in this movie. Yeah, but there's definitely an undercurrent of somebody trying to jam something in there. That is absolutely... Well, it's always treated (laughs) somewhat... It's more about the fighting than it is about the... any jamming. Okay, so Johnny Cage, he he has some things... He's obviously ogling her. You know, in just douchey, chauvinistic way. But Shang Tsung is, I have such plans for my... Beautiful Sonia. What the fuck, dude? (laughs) Yeah, it's Hannibal Lecter trying to flirt. It's weird. (laughs) So he creepily offers her her a tour of the ship. And Johnny Cage and Luke Hank show up. And then immediately Scorpion and Sub-Zero come out of nowhere. In slow motion. In slow motion, yes. This is such a weird choice for Scorpion. Because anyone who's played Scorpion on... Any game, he's got the chain and the the spear, peg a person from across the map, pull them over to him. And so his hand opens up. The thing that comes out has a mouth and it's alive. And it's a dinosaur. It's yeah, it's a little mini like velociraptor. Some sort of vine dinosaur thing going on. It's all of them. It could equal claim from all of them. Again, such a weird choice. Maybe they thought, oh yeah, it's going to look more badass and menacing where it just looks really out of place. And then Sub-Zero freezes Sonya Blade's gun, snaps it in half, and it's, oh my god, they're going to be get totally fucked up by these two weirdos. And then Raiden appears. Raiden appears a la laser show at the planetarium. Yes, he fucking does. <laughs> the Power Rangers when they beam somewhere, it's that's how he looks. And he's able to split. This isn't Raiden comes and shoots lightning out of his hands. Raiden as lightning attacks both of them, and so he's two differently colored balls of energy. Yeah. It was weird. I, I don't know what... Again, there's a lot of choices in this movie where you're just, why did they decide to do this? So then Raiden... It, it didn't even look like lightning, did it? It was just light. Exactly. <laughs> glinting on top of each other. It was it was the Blue Ranger and the Orangish Ranger were teleporting into them. Orangish Ranger. <laughs> That's what it was. He was always my favorite. Um, so then Raiden and Shang Tsung have a, an exposition off about the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, this is where the first thing about the rules comes in. I got to leave all the rules to John because he's keeping track of these things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's it, oh, you, you attack my fighters. That is forbidden by the rules. Okay. <laughs> I'm, waiting, I'm waiting for him to start listing chapter and section and subheading. Yeah, just takes like a massive book and they have to pull out their glasses and start. But then Shang Tsung's just, sorry, it won't happen again. Yeah, my bad. That's it. <laughs> Before he leaves, you know, it says to Sonya Blade, again, it is creepy Hannibal Lecter voice. You've been chosen, Sonya, much to my delight. And you're just gross motherfucker and, and the sad thing is the guy who plays Shang Tsung is the best actor in the movie oh absolutely 
Absolutely. I, I, it just depresses me so much that he ended up in the Planet of the Apes by Tim Burton. Oof. God damn it, Tim Burton. God damn it, Tim Burton. Liu Kang turns to Raiden and says to him, you really are Raiden. <laughs> <laughs> when was this in doubt? When were they asking... He just showed up to your fucking temple and everyone called him. Yeah, and everyone called him Raiden. And after the gentle flip, didn't his eyes flash lightning then? Again, he he Power Ranger lasers himself <laughs> to the yes. top deck <laughs> for no reason. Why? Just to look cool. It's just to look cool. That is all. So we go back to the upper deck. So that they can go stand out and open to have a very private conversation. <laughs> yes. And the ship now <clears throat> looks even more fake. You get a better look of the surrounding area. And there's clearly fake lights for stars through a black sheet. There's like, the, the, that shitty fake smoke from earlier where the water should be. And of course, we got the blue light. And Raiden starts to explain that they've been chosen to defend Earthrealm in Mortal Kombat because the Outworld wants to take them over. But in order to take over Earth, they have to beat Earth ten times in Mortal Kombat, and they've already won nine times. So after Raiden has uh, explained all this, Sonya Blade is so... A handful of people in a leaky boat are going to save the world. And I got to say, Sonya Blade would be great at cinema sense. Yeah. <laughs> the conceit of the movie. Yeah. She just straight up called out the conceit of the movie as just being ridiculous. Right. But again, Liu Kang was brought up being told about this tournament and its significance. Johnny at least is aware it's a tournament of great fighters. Sonya has been duped onto this boat. That is true. Raiden says the fate of billions will depend upon you. And then he gives a menacing laugh, and then he stops. <laughs> and, and then he apologizes he says, for it. I'm sorry. We're also introduced to Raiden's thing, and this is where the three dialogue assistants came in. <laughs> Each character has their thing. Kano has baby, but in the case of Raiden, he laughs and then apologizes. Again, legitimately great moment. <laughs> <laughs> And so then Raiden looks up and he says, look, it has begun. And there's this skull Aurora Borealis effect. And then you go to another part of the deck and Shang Tsung has got his arms up in the air. And just in case you didn't hear Raiden. Yeah, say, he's casting the dark mark. Yeah. The Death Eaters arise. <laughs> yeah. The yeah, he summons the Death Eaters. And, you know, but just in case you didn't hear Raiden say it, Shang Tsung is like, it has begun. <laughs> So repeating yeah. lines, the reclarifying. <laughs> Next day, they start arriving on the island. Uh, they're being rowed ashore on these boats, and Thailand looks absolutely beautiful. And Sonia, she tries to call Jax on her radio. Now she tries to call Jax on her radio. God, doesn't work. They get to the shore, and then again, guys, how does Liu Kang know so much about her high tech equipment? I have no idea. Does it have to do with the legends? Because she's, oh, the storm must have messed up the electronics. No, your equipment's fine. Look at your compass. And her watch flips open to be a compass. Was she checking this <laughs> when you guys were sharing a cabin on the boat together? How the fuck did he learn all this? Compass watch. That's uh, standard police By issue. the way, the compass is just spinning. 
Rhodes just spinning for those of you who haven't seen it. Yeah. He knew that would happen. It's it's part of the, you know, he learned that in Legends of the Tournament School back at the back at the monastery. It fucks with electronics. <laughs> Yeah, he just ma- yeah, he magically knows. Again, going from I don't believe into the tournament to I have innate knowledge <laughs> of the tournament. Of everything. Right. He's the hybrid of American and traditional monkish knowledge. The perfect warrior. <laughs> So Johnny Cage comes and he's again because this is his his story. He's got a comical number of bags that he's bringing <laughs> with him. It's so bad. The large suitcase that you have to check. You know, he's got one of those in each hand and enough small bags to fill up to his armpits. And trying to step off of a rowboat. He might as well be carrying the kind of trunk you would have on the Titanic if you were going first class. The level of luggage he's trying to schlep with them. It's all this wonderful for comic effect, but I'm sincerely certain this is his story about <laughs> him trying to find his lost luggage. <laughs> right, because so they, they, they got to go up this really tall stairs. And he drops half of his suitcases on those stairs. He gets to the top, basically the top. He drops his bags. And then Luke turns around and is like, yeah, yeah, do you need any help with that? Yes! Yes! Such a beautiful callback. But it's kind of sounded like he was trying to be sincere this time. Uh, no, I think I think he was being sarcastic. They've already not helped him this entire time. <laughs> and then once he drops them, they start tumbling down the mountain and Leo's like, hey, you know, I could just kick him off the side for you. <laughs> <laughs> this is the part where you fall down. All right. So they arrive at the tournament palace thing and they go through this this hall of spooky statues and pay attention to this, this set because they're going to use it 9,000 more times in this movie. Hey, we got this set. Damn it, we are going to use it. <laughs> we bought all these statues you know, from Halloween Adventure, and we are going to get our money's worth, all $30 of it. Walking down the pathway that's in the middle of this hallway, they, we see Princess Katana for the first time, who's just happens to be showing off her legs in case anyone wants to see them, you know, as one does, just kind of staring at people as they walk by. That's what I do when I show my legs. As people walk by, I just, I just maintain eye contact. <laughs> just maintain eye contact while. And we were talking about Tim Burton earlier. They, they, happen, they happen to stop, notice her by this really Tim Burton-looking statue. Put a pin in that. That statue is going to be very important just now. Statue that's clearly not there. All the other statues are clearly there. This was placed there afterwards, or they're standing on a green or blue screen or something. Well, your eyes are way sharper than mine because I did not notice that. <laughs> way later when we get to it, we'll, I'll kind of revisit this point. And it's once you know that, then you see it. So Shang Tsung, who's been just creepily following everyone else <laughs> 10 feet back, <laughs> stops at this statue and starts talking to it because it turns out that this statue is reptile. And he tells him to keep an eye on Katana because she's their most dangerous adversary. This will not be true. <laughs> and, <he's, laughs> and then Reptile, again, and we were talking about uh, CGI earlier. Oh. oh, my God. Now, if anybody who's played the game, Reptile is just Scorpion or Sub-Zero with a green outfit. That is 
That is the only difference. At the time. This statue that looks like a, a Tim Burton monster is an actual human height reptile thing that they rendered in, again, Commodore 64. They rendered it in tie-dye. <laughs> it was straight out of the reboot TV series. <laughs> Okay, because one of Reptile's things is he can turn invisible. He could blend in, you know, and he could turn different colors. So in his normal state, therefore, logically, he must have every single color. He is a rainbow. Well, he does. He does He does look very trippy. And so Reptile, he turns invisible and runs away. And the, the ins- if that isn't insane enough, what's <laughs> even crazier is that Katana... Again, just sitting there legally. It's just watching all this from a distance. We just cut back to her and she's watching this unfazed. Under an umbrella. Under an umbrella. Indoors. <laughs> As you do. Have you have you packed your indoor umbrella? Yep, that's all I'll need. That and these really short skirts. Uh, so now it is the welcome feast. This door opens up to a banquet hall and there's this overly long shot of these two dudes carrying a plank with food on it we stay on these guys for 90 seconds for no payoff uh, monks come come back and i'm not sure what religion these monks are supposed to be i think there's some sort of a culty buddhism going on here but these buddhists do like their pork yeah i mean they're a big old pig that they bring in there and so so then like we get the reverse angle of this door and there's just Raiden just chilling outside this door. He's not allowed, but really wants to come in. He, he, he almost has that puppy face going. Of, it's kind of cold, guys. God, guys, I didn't really eat on the boat. Can I, can I come in? Nope, because the door just shuts on him as yeah, he's staring just closes in. on him. So our three heroes, Sonya Blade, Johnny Cage, and Liu Kang are sitting with, I forget his name, but I just call him Art. <clears throat> Art's there. Yep, Stung by a Bee, Dave Chappelle. This is the, the second and second last time we will ever see him. <laughs> <laughs> and this is such a weird scene because they're eating and they're kind of chatting. And then all of a sudden the room is surrounded by dudes in Aladdin pants and Arab shawls led by Scorpion and so. Zero. I would say, and thoroughly oiled between the oh. between the between the pants and the and the face scarves is just body oil. Yeah, hey Frank, have you oiled up yet? They say, well, you're not getting in there unless you're oiled up. Man. More lard on your chest. More lard. So so Shang Tsung gives them a speech about the tournament. Blah blah blah. Foreshadows about the Goro. Kind of mentions Goro, and then. Just apropos of nothing, these shirtless dudes just come down and throw the food tables over. Hey, man, I was eating that. What a waste of food. Those poor monks. They they toiled very hard. They had to blaspheme in their own religion. They put they put life and soul into that fruity pig. I don't know if if, if Shang Tsung was trying to make a pun because they were at dinner. But he says a, a taste of things to come. And then they just start throwing tables. Oh, you're giving them way too much credit. <laughs> yeah. A pun on taste, and then it, it's just the idea of at any moment, you're just going to get fucking attacked, and that's part of it, the deal. <laughs> no, no, no. If they had meant that, he would have eaten an apple at the time, you know? <laughs> As all bad guys do. Watch Cinema Sins, you'll know what we're talking about. Hi, Cinema Sins. Sponsor us. <laughs> yes, hi. 
We are not affiliated with CinemaSins, even though we reference them. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so they throw all the food away, and then they create these two lines of shirtless, greased-up dudes, and it's going to be Sub-Zero versus random shirtless dude. The greasiest of the shirtless dudes. So shiny. He's so shiny. Dipped in liquid Crisco shiny. (laughs) This is, if you watch a bodybuilding competition... And you were able to get a squeegee or something and clean all of them off and put it onto one person's torso alone. So the the random shirtless dude, uh, he starts showing off his sweet, sweet kicks. He can multi-kick like a motherfucker. For nine hours. And throw some jabs. And I feel like he's trying to talk. He's not making martial arts noises. He's actually trying to talk. Because everything's... We still haven't had a fight in this movie, which is very depressing. Well, if you don't count the Johnny Cage fight. I very much do not count. (laughs) (laughs) What about when Sonya was shotgun slapping people? Yeah, that was happening off camera. I don't count Mm, that either. Right. It was just sound effects added in post. (laughs) Yeah, so he starts kicking for an absurdly long amount of time, and then... Sub-Zero manifests ice, shoots him, causes him to shatter, and fucking Shang Tsung, because you have to reference Because the, he's the pun master. He goes, flawless victory. He's the one line master, yeah. He was given all the lines from the video game. <laughs> he was. But this, this scene reminded me of the scene from uh, Indiana Jones, where the guy runs out with a sword, does all the sweet sword moves, and then Indy just shoots him. It's <laughs> very true. That's this. This isn't just a badly written scene this is an homage okay a badly written homage <laughs> sonia blade leaves and because she wants to go find kano and deal with him and then Liu kang also wants to try and find shang sung the dialogue between these three characters is some of the worst sitcom it's like a really bad sitcom dialogue exchanges that they have between each other i mean it's just oh hi i'm doing this i said i work alone said, no you don't but they're all from different sitcoms one's from a bad cop show <laughs> the other's from a bad family drama so yeah just to give a little little taste of how atrocious this dialogue is sonia blade has left so johnny cage is looking you know her at her you have to admire when she sets her mind on something and luke hangs like, it's not her mind you're admiring Johnny Cage just kind of gives a shrug. Yeah, it's true. So then they exit and the camera pulls back through this cage and you see this giant three fingered hand and you hear these grunts from this creature. And we will later find out that this is Goro. So we've had two foreshadowings of Goro in about five minutes. Quick decision, because what you you see him kind of reaches his arms up and this growl and roar. Does he just walk around like that? Or did they get there when he woke up? At least the first one, because we, 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 we will talk about Goro later, but he does one thing over and over and over again, and it involves yelling. So And it reaches, it's reaching his arms up and screaming. Yeah. But the second time, I'm here to fight, so rawr, you know, but now he's just randomly in a cave doing that. Just randomly looking through there. Yeah. <sighs> he's got a mirror. He's prepping for the fight. He's getting himself psyched up. <laughs> I would like to shout out to the guy who voiced Goro because that actor, Kevin Michael Richardson, has done a great list of voice acting. Oh, he is a fantastic actor. He is phenomenal. I love his voice so much. My favorite is he plays Principal Lewis on American Dad. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. That's his latest one, right? One one of his like later latest ones. But yeah, he's 
so good. Yeah, he's an amazing voice actor. So they they go off searching for Kano, and they go through this area that looks like the Bat Cave meets the Gorge from the Last Crusade. It's just this giant chasm, and there's these rock bridges just that go at weird angles and we're just traveling up the camera's just traveling up through there to show you how big it is yep there's there's more than one indiana jones reference in this film and yet kano does not rip someone's heart out sorry spoilers yeah that's that's really unfortunate (laughs) the one they missed the most obvious one to make because that probably would have made this br while temple of doom was pg kalima baby kalima Yeah, so I'm, I'm really happy that the movie foreshadowed Goro because drop a couple seeds and maybe later in the movie they pay off. No, we're just going to go ahead and show you Goro now. There was no reason for any of that because <laughs> there were this, uh, I don't know, feasting chamber thing. Kano is talking to Goro and Goro is just expositing about himself and the armies that he just talks about how he uh, leads the subterranean armies of Outworld. And one of the best lines of the movie subterranean is that something like underground (laughs) (laughs) and we get through and more shtick about exactly who shang sung is Mm -hmm. and more characters explaining how awesome other characters are and repeating points like that it's and then shang sung himself appears to insult and then compliment kano yeah, that was awkward, wasn't it? Yes, he talks about how he's a slob. Even lowly people like him can become rich on Earth, but still. And meanwhile, our three sitcom characters who are hiding <laughs> and watching all of this, Liu Kang mentions how he doesn't know what's special about him, but they've already talked about how he's the chosen one. <laughs> it's always been very established, this whole chosen one weirdness, which another box ticked in the cliche list, but... There's no reason for him to be the chosen one because Raiden can lightly flip him at any moment. That's just... <laughs> that's, that's not chosen one level of skill. But he's definitely the chosen one because they're worried about Katana switching sides and, and joining with the, the Earth people especially Liu Kang. I wonder, I just wonder what in what order they filmed these scenes. They weren't sure <laughs> which one was going first. They wrote like three movies and shot three movies and just tried to merge all the plots together. Blend it. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> so Shang Tsung tells Kano that he wants him to fight Sonya Blade, but he doesn't want him to hurt her. He only wants to humiliate her because again, creepy Hannibal Lecter voice, he has plans for my beautiful Sonya. I get you're the bad guy and you're supposed to be creepy and his creepiness is good, has a payoff towards the end which we'll get to oh he definitely has some kinks he's got some kinks uh shanks so but why the hell are you perving how do you know about her so many questions which won't get resolved by the way no no. <laughs> None at all. Uh, so Shang Tsung warns Goro that he, you know, he shouldn't underestimate Liu Kang. And the best response was fucking Goro raising his arms. Because again, that's the only thing this puppet that they got for Goro could do. And he goes, <laughs> I do not fail. <laughs> I, I do do a shit impression, but I do not fail really loud. They really got the most out of those arms raised in the air. That is hard to do. That is hard work. There's a lot of hard work that went into Goro. Because Goro has four arms. That's That's a big... Issue. Raise four arms. All right. So Goro yells that he doesn't fail. And the three main characters, they they decide to mosey. And Shang Tsung gets a sense that they were there. And he gestures with two fingers and a shirtless 
dude goes running after them. Greased up god, yeah. And Luke Hake, he thinks he sees Katana. He goes after her. He leaves Sonya Blade and Johnny Cage and just blue. He he walks into blue. <laughs> it's the it's the blue forest. Like they bought that $2 blue gel and they were getting their money's worth and then he gets attacked by reptile. Yeah, this is this is where reptile pulls a dilophosaurus and spits poison into his eyes or something. But just vapor? It's it's just enough to make you go like kind of Ugh, and brush it away. It was a mild inconvenience. <laughs> yeah, it's, ah, ew, gross. <laughs> it's not acidy spit or, or tar spit or something. He did a spit take. He, he, he like, <laughs> they got someone with a really skinny arm so that they could cover it with the CG, and they just sprayed Lucane with a Windex bottle. Yes, that is pretty damn accurate. BT Dub Reptile also does children's parties. <laughs> <laughs> so then Sonya Blade and Johnny Cage catch up, and then they enter a throne room, and then Johnny Cage comments that he thinks he can smell Katana's perfume. <laughs> yeah, just that douchey chauvinist. She definitely went this way. <laughs> but then Sonya has to follow it up. Again, one of the best lines of the movie. She says, I smell something. Bullshit. <laughs> The tension between these two, it just keeps building. God, it's painful. They have the sexual tension of a couple that's been together for 30 years and the spark has <laughs> left and they don't talk anymore. It's just sniping back and forth and they should have gotten divorced. But, you know, that's a whole hassle. <laughs> that's the fucking sexual tension between these he two. He doesn't know how to prepare meals for himself anymore. Oh, God. So then they get attacked by shirtless, greased up dudes. And we get the theme song. We get the so... music. This is what I've been waiting for. It took 33, 36 minutes and 33 seconds to get to this point. And I was psyched as soon as this started. I, I didn't even watch. I was just punching the screen. I was... Test <laughs> your might. The fighting sucks. I don't mean to say it's not that bad. I mean to say it's not that Bad. Okay, okay, maybe I'm being a little harsh. But in this fight sequence, all three of them do the same high kick over and over and over again. There's two punches, but they all just do the same kick to the head. All of them. But I did not care. I was just <laughs> listening to this music and raving in my chair. When that song's pumping. And a minute and 30 seconds later, it's over. And, you know, just like the first time I ever had sex. Well, never mind. Um, <laughs> it, it was just very frustrating that the thing that had been built up to, the epic music and the fighting, and then they just decided, no, what people came to see was the quippy dialogue that we've been cringing through for the last 30 minutes of the movie. At least we get this awesome Johnny Cage stick pose, which is how he... <laughs> Ray Park wasn't a thing yet. Ray Park wasn't no. a thing yet. But there's a moment where I, I think it was Johnny, because he's up on those steps. He jumps and kicks two people, and they fall down the stairs, and there's clearly the sound of bowling pins falling over. Again, you were paying way more attention than any of us, but I would not put it past them. <laughs> well, again, let's see. It's 1995. That would have been, what, roughly 15 years ago. Jesus. This movie was my world. Oh, no. Almost 30 years ago. Oh, shit. In four years, it will be 30 years ago. Oh, God. Hey, millennials, feel old yet? 
because you should. It's okay. I'm on the old end of millennium. <laughs> okay, so anyway. <laughs> and then there's just sarcastic Raiden clap because he sarcastic just like Raiden so clap <laughs> he, he absolutely knew he was in this movie at this point <laughs> he really did what are you gonna do about them and like turned around there's like two dozen more greased up shirt dudes with weapons this time with weapons that apparently no one noticed because off camera <laughs> right yeah you know 24 guys with weapons super sneaked in <laughs> All that grease made them really silent. They just slid in on their feet, on their greasy feet. Well, the grease is the only reason why they probably let them go, because Raiden makes his fingers spark, and I think they were worried about burning up. It would just chain lightning through all of them. They just let him leave. Like, Raiden leads them out of this chamber, because he spooked them with his shitty spark finger. Okay, so now we're back in the spooky statue garden, because they, again, spent 50 bucks on this and they were going to get their money's worth and we learned from Raiden that Shang Tsung is a formal Mortal Kombat champion whose power comes from the souls of his vanquished enemies and dramatic lightning. We've heard that already by Goro so this is another beautiful example of repeated lines and it's like the tournament starts tomorrow be prepared why are they only getting this information now the organizers of this tournament are really (laughs) shitty at letting the participants know where they're supposed to go they're chucking the food away there is no itinerary picturing a woman with a clipboard and a headset saying okay Liu Kang (laughs) you're on (laughs) you're on set three you're gonna be on the beach with vaguely lion growling guy we get to the lion growling guy that Let's get there. Let's get there. Finally, (laughs) we're almost halfway through this movie, and we finally get some goddamn Mortal Kombat in our Mortal Kombat movie. (laughs) (laughs) Liu Kang, he fights what I'm guessing is a Jamaican scuba instructor. (laughs) Just a tall fucking rock hard ebony dude with braided hair that goes down to his shoulders and still no jacks in this movie what happened to jacks Jax doesn't make animal sounds true so the crazy thing about this fight is that they both start holding sticks yeah so they're on a beach and they're surrounded by people and then when the you know shang Tsung is kind of overseeing this and then the fight starts and they run up and grab their sticks and start fighting each other like why did you put the sticks down makes no sense i i couldn't help but stare at this one guy cheering in the circle who was wearing a jeans jacket and wondering how he ended up getting invited (laughs) to this uh either that or he was one of the three dialogue assistants who just really wanted to be on camera (laughs) and if you look at these spectators half of them are random thai locals that they just grabbed on the boat ride over and the other are just random white people who i'm guessing are random white tourists that they just grabbed on the way over because it's just this weird medley of people they did not give these people costumes these people wore what they went to the beach with that day and so Liu kang he beats scuba instructor dude doesn't kill him by the way in this mortal combat he just knocks him down i have to say i would have been way more impressed with this fight if it wasn't in slow-mo oh god yeah this was a return of slow motion fight sequence this entire fight is in slow-mo and i guess probably because it would have only lasted three seconds if it wasn't (laughs) could have been getting up slow motion hitting slow motion doing a kip up in slow motion 
But you got to see how 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 Lou's hair moved during that kip up. You know that was very important. I mean, if this whole movie was in normal time, it would have lasted about fifteen minutes. Oh, easily. But my theory <laughs> is they had. In any given scene, they have the extras for 15 minutes. And that's why. <laughs> so um, Shang Tsung comes up and he steals the soul out of the Jamaican scuba instructor and just says, because again, he has to say all the, the video game words, fatality. He steals his soul by stretching his hand out and force pulling it into his hand. That That is how you steal souls in this movie. I just want to say that. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> that's been established. It has been established <laughs> as how it works. All right, now Sonia fights Kano. This is the point where Kano drops every baby you could possibly imagine. It, it literally is I was about to say more than a peeper. It's more than Austin Powers. I'm picturing Franz Liebchen from the producers and the sideline says, "Baby, baby," as if you never said this baby. <laughs> what he says is, "Hi, baby. Look at this baby." Give it up, baby. Three lines back to back. In the script, you would have been able to circle them and say, maybe space these out. Just made like a Venn diagram in the lines. But before we even see Kato, Sodia Blade is doing the worst punches, warm-ups ever. Like, warm-ups? Yeah. Shadow body. Like kindergartener, just getting his white belt barely levels of punching. It's me giving myself the confidence to go to work in the morning. <laughs> you can do this, John. Mm. <laughs> And then there's more two-finger pointing by Shang Tsung. And then Kato gets to have a knife for some reason. Oh, because Shang Tsung has a special gift for her. I've studied all your moves. Which is, what? How? How have you studied her moves? She chases him for a while, and he has cameras set up everywhere. A professional sports team. He spends an afternoon going over the tape. Her only moves up until this point have involved a badly accessorized shotgun. What has he been studying? Her shadow boxing. Maybe the, the line wins on a technicality. And those are all her moves, because as we established, this was a last-minute recast. <laughs> Again, because he's he's Australian, I really wanted him to do the Crocodile Dundee line. Call that a plot point? This! <laughs> this is a plot point. Sonya gives a very good reaction to being punched in the stomach. Jesus, I felt that. The most emoting she does in the whole movie. Kato's a jack dude, the guy who plays Kano, and the lady who plays Sonya Blade is not jacked at all slim jim arms but we're supposed to believe that she is gonna kick this guy's ass and she does she kicks his ass and snaps his neck with with, with her leg she murders she him murders him we actually get some mortal combat we now. get That's some actually, mortal combat <laughs> although it kind of ruins her arc if she goes through a revenge arc and then she just full-on murders the guy and we're not even halfway through the movie yeah, so her story is over. <laughs> so what else? Yeah, her story is effectively over at this point. And she failed. Okay, so we're going to take a break there. Will Sonya Blade have a story? <laughs> Will there actually be a decent amount of fighting in this fighting movie? You're going to have to stick around and find out when we do the second half of Mortal Kombat. Kano. It is time to put my plan in motion. It is time for you to fight Sonya Blade. Look, Shane Sung, mate, about this plan. But don't hurt her. 
just humiliate her. Make her look at me and call me Daddy. Look, your, your plan seems really bloody stupid. Like, you need to win ten Mortal Kombats just to invade Earthrealm? Just invade! Who's going to stop you? The ways of the realms are beyond your comprehension. You keep saying that. Then you go out of your way to bring Earth's best fighters when you could just as easily have picked up some random blokes pissed on Fosters and been done with it. Perhaps you could spank Sonya while everyone's watching. That would really humiliate her. Like, seriously, there aren't any referees here. Who would even know that you didn't challenge the best fighters of Earthrealm? Oh, what if you covered her in mud, made her crawl around on her hands and knees and make pig noises? So hard. I... humiliating. Honestly, mate, I think this whole tournament is an elaborate scheme so you can fuck the Sonya Sheila. No, no. No, it's about the conquest and desecration of Earthrealm. Then can you explain this skimpy leather dress? That's not mine. That dress belongs to Prince Goro. Goro needs dress for prom. Outworlds. Prom is really, really fancy and S&M is appreciated. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where I'm going with this. All right, and we are back. So now we're going to see some more fighting, finally, in in Mortal Kombat. Uh, We have Johnny Cage walking around a bamboo forest. Like, what what is this place? He is looking for his luggage. This is where my fan theory (laughs) kicks in. He is in this orchard of barren trees. It's because it's it's not a forest. It's very neatly defined rows of trees with nothing growing on them. He is looking for his luggage. This scene was cut out of the movie (laughs) and it turns out that his luggage was eaten by Scorpion. <laughs> and so this fight has a point. <laughs> More of the movie giving us lines from the video game because Scorpion, his hand creature comes out of, get over here. And I would just like to say that that is a fantastic line. Uh, I, I will say that translates yeah. from video games. This to wasn't movie, just like ham fisted into this scene. Nothing else. Genuine compliment. I know it's not funny, but. But what is funny is, is how Scorpion appears. Because as we know, and as we'll see, he can teleport and warp space, but Johnny's just wandering around, and then in the distance, this yellow and black ninja cartwheels into frame. <laughs> yes, he does this real impressive cartwheel, just like, ta-da! Get over here! I want you to see this a little more closely. And then he shoots the thing out of his hand, and Johnny Cage is trying to run away from it. <laughs> he eventually gets pegged against a tree, and he dodges, and the weird hand thing splats against the tree and kamikazes itself. What are the rules of this hand creature? Now it's just a chain. I don't, I don't think there were rules. No, there are no rules. There's no rules to this tournament. There's no rules to how any of these characters work. So then Johnny Cage does a fly kick on Scorpion, and then they get transported into another dimension. I call it scaffolding hell, because all this place is wooden and bamboo scaffolding and fire. You think that's what hell is? Just a perpetual under construction? 
Satan is actually a contractor who says, oh, I'll probably get it done next week. And Yeah, you know, the union rules and all that. So Johnny Cage is looking around, and then he gets this look on his face. He's behind me, isn't he? Because, yeah, Scorpion, <laughs> Scorpion is absolutely behind him. And so he turns around, and you hear in Scorpion voice. And again, this Scorpion voice is not coming out of this dude's mouth. This is just the weirdest ADR. And he's, welcome! I really want to record that and just have that trigger whenever someone enters my house. <laughs> and before he can offer any tea, the fight starts. Scorpion manages to get Johnny Cage in the ground, kicking him repeatedly. And all I could think of in this moment was, this is how the average Mortal Kombat player plays the game. They find one simple move <laughs> and they spam it at the guy who's learned all the sweet combos. And just gets pissed off because you're cheesing him with the one punch. <laughs> There's no time to recover. Is yep. It's just like bunk, 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 bunk. Oh, dude, this isn't any fun. And so that's just a letter. Credit that 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 was good research right there. Hats off to Paul W S Anderson for dropping that little uh... knowing how the game was played. Really understood his audience. <laughs> Johnny Cage. Johnny Cage then gets out of this and he starts doing gymnastics. Just, he gets on a crossbar and starts twisting around it, trying to win the Olympics. And Scorpion doesn't do anything. He just stands there watching him do it. And he jumps up to a higher level of scaffold. And then Scorpion's just, get down here! Because again, they're just going to spam that. They're going to use that voice to get it again and again. And Johnny Cage, his platform collapses and he falls into a pile of bones and then scorpion gets down to the same level takes off his mask to reveal a shitty cgi skeleton head with glowing eyes oh yeah this is this is where ghost rider enters the fray <laughs> yes this is where we get ghost rider look into my eyes <laughs> <laughs> they should have gotten nicholas cage to play scorpion that would have been amazing <laughs> So then he shoots fire at Johnny Cage, but Johnny Cage manages to block it with a razor shield. From one of the dead skeletons in uh, Scaffold Hell. And then he gets up and he attacks him and starts slicing away at Scorpion. And every slice ignites flame on Scorpion. So he's just becoming progressively more on fire by getting hit by Johnny Cage. And his innards are made of Nickelodeon gack. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> He's not bleeding. It's not spurting blood. It's not a Tarantino thing. It's not dripping. Or it's this slum, this reddish slime spills out of him. You wonder why our parents were so scared to take us to this movie because it's clearly meant for us. <laughs> Johnny Cage just somehow intuitively knows that because now Scorpion's like totally on fire, and and Johnny Cage just intuitively knows that he's got to run away because jo Scorpion explodes. He just explodes in a ball of flame, and skeleton pieces are going everywhere yeah johnny has that facial reaction of the countdown is at two again how the fuck does he know this <laughs> who knows fuck you audience and we, we, we i think we were talking about this last night a, a photograph picture of johnny cage gets dropped onto the, the floor you see this is where my theory comes together he ate his luggage including all of his personalized <laughs> photos and so him blowing up that's the remnants of his luggage 
<laughs> right, because the real answer is Johnny Cage just drops it because he carries them around with him, and that's like a finishing move from the game. But That's what I think. Um, no, 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 no. Um, when I lived in Indianapolis, there was a chiropractor downtown who was also an MMA fighter. And I always had this idea that every cage match that he won, he'd just throw his card down, <laughs> like whenever he'd knock someone out. And that's just, that's what Johnny Cage does as well. Just to add insult, except that this person exploded, so. Problem was, he hasn't established as having any kind of sense of humor. Not really. Or fans. Or fans. Or anything. No, see, my theory is that Scorpion actually was a fan. <laughs> And, and met up with Johnny Cage in secret at a convention and got him to sign an autograph, an autograph, a picture. And he just carries around Johnny Cage's picture with him. Him fighting Johnny Cage is just more like a fan really wanting to do the thing that Johnny Cage is known for. Take that celebrity to their own personal chamber. And... It's, it's, it's if he wanted to go like to the gym with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. That, except he wants to fight Johnny Cage because he really admires him. So that's my theory is that Scorpion is just a really zealous fan of Johnny Cage. <laughs> <laughs> and now uh, we're back on the beach where the, the earlier fights were and Liu Kang is going to fight Katana. Here's the thing. This is where they ran out of extras budget because... <laughs> yeah, there it, it is Liu Kang, Katana, and Shang Tsung. A bamboo circle with flags. Like, like there's yeah, there's nobody else there watching it. And why are they fighting? Is this part of the tournament? Because she's play fighting him, but giving him advice on how to win? Yeah, they're trying to do a flirt fight. Zoro pulls this sort of thing off. That's the kind of character you need to do a flirt fight. This, they just gently flip each other over and talk they talk long enough oh shit shang sung's getting suspicious we better flip a few more times so she gets him in a headlock or something like some sort of hold and she's to win your next match use the element that brings life oh god <laughs> and Liu Kang oh, has the god. most honest reaction because he just looks up to her and says what <laughs> Completely unnecessarily cryptic. Why be cryptic? He can't hear you. And even if he could, he could tell you were helping him by what you actually said. It, it, I know. No reason so, for this. No reason for this at all. So Liu Kang wins the fight because I guess Katana throws it. Again, I don't think this was part of Mortal Kombat because Shang Tsung doesn't take her soul. So what was this fight for? Why are they doing this? I think the emperor would be pissed off. He just taught her soul. I don't know. So now it's nighttime and we're in some chamber. And I think it was a reshoot. Entirely possible. I think they got to the end of the next fight and there was the idiots in the audience with their note cards. How did he know how to do that? Because you could watch this next fight and see him figure that out without remembering the element that gives life. But in the intro to the fight, we, we do get a lot of monks again, and Raiden is even disguising himself as the monks. Uh, yes, and Raiden's in the temple. Water-carrying monk. He's a water-carrying monk. He, so now he found an open window <laughs> to sneak in through. Yeah, I don't know what Raiden's doing. like Because he's supposed to be helping the three main characters, but he's never around. He's not advising them on anything. He's not watching any of the fights. He's just fucking around in this palace, playing dress up. 
There was a, a random throwaway lack of explaining the rules where they're outside his domain. And I think that translates into you cannot actively help him. So that's why he's disguising himself as a monk and sneaking around because <laughs> Raiden's actually cheating. So so Sub-Zero comes in, decides he's going to fight Liu Kang because Liu Kang's also in this room. And this whole fight's going on. Dude, you killed a dude with ice in two seconds in an earlier scene. What the fuck are you doing? But he gave away the fact that he has to charge up the attack. Lose faster than that. Lose not just going to stand there shadow kicking, shadow boxing. Shadow kick is an actual <laughs> Mortal Kombat thing. So that's looking at greasing up his abs. He eventually starts like summoning his ice and he does it in the weirdest pose. Feet wide out. He's hunched down and he's pointing both his hands directly at his dick. <laughs> He summons this ice ball. He basically does a really slow motion suck it. Like, because his arms start up above his head and he slowly brings him down as he gathers power around his crotch. In, in Sub-Zero's defense, I'm fairly certain that's how douchebags and clubs try to get laid. They just go into the middle of the dance floor and just <laughs> pretend you're not actually shitting yourself. Jules, let's not pretend that you and I haven't gone out together and tried that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest with the audience. <laughs> so so then Katana shows up on an elevated position and looks down at Liu Kang. I don't know whether this was telepathy, but we immediately hear the line from the previous from, from two and a half minutes ago. <laughs> Repeated lines from the previous scene. <laughs> It sets all these like little elements up immediately to have the payoff in the next scene. We tease Goro, here's Goro. We tease the element which brings life. That's going to be relevant in the very next scene. So Liu Kang takes a look at the bucket of water that Raiden was messing around with. Earlier. Oh, of course, water. And he kicks the bucket of water. That's my thing of this being a reshoot. Because he gets hit by some of the cold energy. He's like, oh, shit. One of the buckets gets kicked over. The shit gets turned to ice. He grabs the other bucket and uses it. You don't need the voiceover. You don't need the cryptic tip. It was all reshoots. Painful. And he literally had to go, I must explain my mental process. (laughs) Must explain everything. To be fair, this movie does know the average IQ of its intended audience member. Well, I debate that because we weren't allowed to see it. We weren't allowed to see it, and we... (laughs) I don't think any of us were particularly bright kids. So So he chucks this bucket of water, goes through the the blue force field around Sub-Zero, and it turns into an icicle. It impales Sub-Zero, pins him to the opposite wall, and then again, for reasons, just he freezes over. Water flung from a bucket, shoved him across. They were in the middle of the room. He wasn't next to the wall. He goes flying across the room, pinned to the wall from a tossed bucket. As a Sub-Zero fan, I was very insulted. <laughs> yeah, he Sub-Zero deserved better. So yeah, so Raiden was just like skulking around, didn't help, didn't give advice, didn't, hey, maybe you don't fight my guy because that's against the rules. Nope, just lets it happen because... What, why, again, what the fuck is the point of Raiden? So now we start the Goro montage because Goro's getting into the fight now. I just realized that Raiden is skulking around with Katana, setting everything up. There's a whole other movie that's the, like the, the buddy cop antics of Raiden and Katana <laughs> sabotaging the tournament. We start the Goro 
fight montage and Goro is it's just a montage of Goro chucking dudes in <laughs> kindergarten karate outfits onto the same patch of pebbles. Well, you don't get to see him chuck them. You just get to see them full. Yeah, you just see the landing and you hear the growling. So basically, again, you see one shot of extras because they had them. They could only afford them for two minutes that yeah, day. This is, the, this is the extra budget that I was talking about. This is where it went. And then you don't see anybody because it's all just guys in geese getting chucked onto stones. Then Goro enters the... Again, now we're going to see even more set recycling because, again, this movie was made for nothing. He comes into the dining hall that we saw earlier because he's going to fight beasting dave Chappelle. oh this 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 scene broke my heart i would like to point out this guy has not been in the movie for well since the last scene in this room yes over a half hour ago everyone went off on their adventure after the banquet and he just stayed there yep he wasn't allowed to leave this room this is where he had to stay for the tournament I like to think that he was actually the chosen one, but Katana and Raiden completely screwed him over. With their meddling. Not letting this guy be the chosen one. He's too friendly and likable. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's the only guy who, like, isn't a total piece of shit. And he's in his head shaved. Yeah. You've got to have a mullet. Right? So there's a very painful fight that happens between Beasting Dave Chappelle and Goro. And again, because Shang Tsung has to fucking say the words from the game, finish him. He says it twice, by the way. And again, because the only thing the Goro puppet can do, and they do this 9,000 times in the movie, is look straight up and yell. (laughs) He does this. Sonya Blade, for whatever reason, is super bummed about beasting Dave Chappelle getting killed. Yeah, Goro (laughs) grabs him and picks him up with his lower arms supposed to crush his skull or something and we get from Sonya this long slow-mo and just in case you were worried that other characters weren't disappointed about this character dying later Johnny also gets a slow motion no yeah but Johnny at least met the guy Yeah, but that still doesn't make sense for the emotion, the emotional reaction. (laughs) It's meeting a person at the grocery store, having a nice conversation with a stranger, and then they get shot in the parking lot. No! (laughs) We had a really awesome talk about P.F. Chang's dumplings. This fight also has my favorite extras in the movie. (laughs) There are these two guys who are screaming in each other's faces. (laughs) (laughs) And they're cheering Goro on, so they're obviously bad guys. But yeah, they scream and just get right in each other's faces. It is also just very reassuring to know that the black guy dying first transferred into fight movies as well as horror movies. That's another good horror cliche that you can tick off that list. Well, as far as characters, because there was Growly Lion Dude. So for the bad guys, we had the black guy die first. Exactly. And then out of the characters who have names on the other side, it is again the black guy who dies first. Again, we get more uh, dialogue from the, the video game where Shang Tsung says, flawless victory, and then yells, your soul is mine, because that's the other line that he does a lot. Yeah, see, that's what you do when you have really great dialogue is you keep repeating that dialogue so that it doesn't become annoying and grating and make you really angry at the world. It's just good screenwriting. But as a twist, you make your actions different. 
Because now Shang Tsung is going to absorb someone's soul into his fucking eye? (laughs) Into his fucking eyeball. And so clearly the actor who plays beasting Dave Chappelle, he had to raise his arms. Yeah, like he's trying to hold on. (laughs) And then they had to flip him 90 degrees in post so that it would look like he was diving into his eyeball. But stretch him out like he's a line of liquid somehow. He's flowy like water. (laughs) I'm fairly certain the director really thought this was going to be a Citizen Kane. You know, with all of the (laughs) reflected action off of Johnny's sunglasses and the eyeball distortion that was all a rosebud sequence right there. <laughs> and this completely goes against the established way that his, you, you were talking about earlier, he's supposed to force pull. <laughs> exactly. And he doesn't do that because he just takes it through the eye. Yeah, so, you know, he, he he keeps saying finish him, flawless victory, all that shit. And he's like, man, I need to change this up somehow. I know. Which body part will absorb the soul? By the way, takes it through the eye is a classic drinking game that we grew up with. <laughs> Tell me more. Tell me more. She didn't have a call. (laughs) (laughs) So now we're going to get Raiden giving them a pep talk. Too late. Yeah, way too late. After the tournament started. And again, we're back in the spooky statue courtyard place. Yeah, I I really take issue with the speech. For starters, it's too late. Second of all, they've already won the fights they've had. (laughs) So why are you coaching them? They're clearly doing great. Yeah. Shut up, coach. Get in the back stands. Let the game flow. Exposes, exposits to them about like what they're most afraid of. And Johnny Cage is afraid that nobody's going to think he's a real fighter. And Liu Kang is afraid. His own destiny. Fucking destiny. His own fucking destiny. Which, what? Nobody's even really told him his destiny. (laughs) That's not even been a plot point at all it's raiden has taught them absolutely nothing yeah. all he's done is explain the circumstance and barely done that not even that really yeah <laughs> and sonia blade needs to not be afraid to trust people so that's oh that's why she's still here sure it's not a revenge story it's a story of not pointing guns at everyone and yeah and not <laughs> welding fucking welding torches to your shotgun <laughs> <laughs> It's a big lesson. So now we have Liu Kang beach meditation montage. So, you know, you kind of got that really sweet sunset in the background. Yeah, this is where the orange filter really kicked in. (laughs) Yes, the orange filter. He just has a flashback of the opening scene. They literally just like copy paste the (laughs) opening scene. Paul W.S. Anderson wanted to do a three colors trilogy, but only had one movie to do it in. (laughs) You know, somewhere else on the beach, Johnny Cage talking to to Sony Blade and saying that he's going to fight Goro. So that she doesn't have to. And there's nothing that's happened in this movie to this point that gives any indication that any of these main three characters give a shit about each other. So this whole thing I know, just rings so hollow. It, yeah, but it almost has this feel like he's doing a noble sacrifice type of thing. He's knowingly going to his death, but the whole plan is... I've got worked out how to win this, so I'm going to do it. But yeah, the, the the tone of the scene is, I'm going to sacrifice myself so everyone else can live. I mean, I will put a little credit in this movie. They they finally had characters making choices, which is the first <laughs> time that shit's actually happened. This is true. They just walk around this island and people attack them. Exactly. It's just, like, <laughs> just being. That's That's what they've done thus far. 
her reason for being there is already over. She killed Kano. What the fuck? <laughs> like, she should just go home now. <laughs> game over, man. Game over. Yeah, game over for her. You know, I don't give a fuck about you, Johnny. I don't give a fuck about you, Luke Hag. Later, taters. Good luck with this whole Mortal Kombat shit. Yeah, I think the idea was that they were just, oh, so torn apart by the one black guy they met for 20 minutes. It really forged their... <laughs> Their relationship. <laughs> that one guy that Johnny met, and then they didn't see for days on end. <laughs> now, once again, we're back in the creepy statue garden. Again, we were just here two scenes ago, and Shang Tsung is talking to Johnny Cage about fighting Goro. And Johnny Cage makes a deal that he gets to fight Goro. But then Shang Tsung is, I, yeah, but I get to fight the winner or another person from the Earth realm of my choosing. And what the fuck are the rules of this tournament? Still- well, and Raiden shows up to eject. Yes. The rules only matter when the plot needs them to. Well, I was pausing for effect there because Raiden shows up to object and Shang Tsung replies, you're too late. The rules are quite clear. <laughs> <laughs> and no, the fuck they're not. That's it. Raiden is super bummed out, you know, that he was too late to stop this deal. Right. And, you know, Johnny Cage is kind of, screw you, Raiden, I'm going to go ahead and do this. And then Raiden looks up to the sky and is thankful because one of them has finally understood. Understood what? Well, no, you guys didn't catch that? You didn't catch Johnny's Smackdown line? I, 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 I only allocated a certain number of brain cells to this movie, John. <laughs> This is this is their big, oh, see, it's not about killing moment. It's that, because Raiden's a god, it's our tournament, mortal combat. So it's like, oh, we make the decisions. And somehow now Raiden's the proud father. Wait, what? And again, having done nothing, he just plays dress up and fucks around in this palace and does nothing <laughs> to help them. Shows up too late to stop deals. Ridiculous. I'm going to revisit this about Raiden the next time that we have rules come up. So now we're going to have the Goro-Johnny Cage fight. Oh, yes. As Goro enters, we get four hours of yes of R just him looking at the sky because again this is it's either he's walking around like a puppet or he stops and puts all his arms up and yells towards the sky because those are the two things that fucking Goro the Goro puppet can do. <laughs> and then Johnny Cage enters with the dorkiest fucking sunglasses ever. Nikki Lee looks cool and then Goro grabs the sunglasses and just crushes them in his head. Oh, Johnny knows he's he is hot shit. So anyway, so now Johnny Cage, the fight starts, and Johnny Cage does his signature nutcracker splits, which for anyone who plays the game, that's his move. And when you were, I don't know, six or seven, it was the funniest shit ever. And so he does the splits and he hits Goro in the nuts. And my first thought was, how does he know he's got nuts? But I guess just duty equals balls. That's they all hang there. The assumption that gets made here. Outworld biology. I mean, what else is his one little piece of clothing covering up? He's got that loincloth for a reason. <laughs> I don't know. He's got total recall. Just <laughs> Wade, start the reactor. <laughs> That's what he's got. So he punches him with this voice that says, ow, behind the loincloth. That's my... 
my fan theory. Jesus. So Goro's in a lot of pain, and Raiden just starts arm punching this random dude next to him because he's super happy that Johnny Cage punched Goro with the nuts. He's really happy about that. And the dude just looks at him, what the fuck, man? Raiden just doesn't understand normal human interaction. He tries, but he fails a lot. He does channel Tommy Wiseau at times <laughs> with <laughs> that laugh. That laugh is straight Tommy Wiseau. Little, little bit. So here, so, so then Johnny Cage makes the most ridiculous choice. And again, probably because they couldn't have the extras there for that long. You know, Goro's reeling from Nut Punch. Instead of beating the shit out of him, he runs away. Scales the edge that kind of surrounds this fighting area, runs into a cave. Dude, you could have beaten him to death. He's cradling his balls. What are you doing? I have to admit, that is how I fight. Punch him in the balls and run away. Oh, God. It's worked once. <laughs> I n- I've never been in a fight. But still. <laughs> if I ever were in a fight, that's how I'd handle it. How good are you at doing the splits, though? Oh, I'd definitely tear something on the way down. I'd probably do more <laughs> nut damage to myself than I would. So you're a pretty tall, so you're a pretty tall guy. It might, it might be difficult to reach someone else's nuts. The velocity of him going down because of the height, that would be a factor. Goro chases um, Johnny Cage through the caves. And again, nobody's following because they ran out of extra budget. <laughs> it's just Goro versus Johnny Cage in those cliffs that we saw earlier. Again, an amazing line. Those were $500 sunglasses, asshole. <laughs> and so they have a quick fight and Johnny Cage kicks Goro off the ledge. And then Goro's hanging on and then he falls into the void. He falls into the shitty smoke effect from earlier. This is where you fall down. At times this movie will do the repeating lines as an effect, but so much of it is just ruins the lines. There's one thing about hearkening back to something you said previously. That's okay if it works in the moment. But so many times, every character is repeated <laughs> their lines at least two or three times. And clearly the new movie that's coming out does as well. That whole line from the trailer about, you know, he's got a birthmark. What's that? And it's, yeah, it's a mark he's had since birth. <laughs> <laughs> this thing's on my chest. It's a birthmark. What do you mean? He was born with it. <laughs> I can't wait. I cannot wait for this movie. So now Shang Tsung has captured Sonya Blade, and he's going to take her through a weird blue wormhole thing, a cliff face. Yeah, just when you think this movie could potentially be as forward thinking as just having women in the story who are not in any way love interests or objects to be rescued... This shit happens where, you know, you just got to click your fingers and say, yep, we got to rescue the princess from the castle of Mordor. That's 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 where we're going with this. And it's even weirder because, like, they set her up as such a badass earlier. I know! Like she, she killed a dude with her fucking thighs. I mean, she was unlikable, but at least she was badass. Yeah, so they just decided that character trait that they've been building throughout the film, fuck it, we're going to throw that out. And so they go through the wormhole and Raiden is there and he explains to Johnny Cage and Liu Kang that he's taken her to the Emperor's castle in Outworld, but that he can't follow. 
And then Luke Kang is immediately, we can? How the fuck do you know that? And to follow up, Raiden's like, there's one more rule he didn't mention. And Luke Kang stops and thinks for a moment, as if he received notes earlier. <laughs> yes. Oh, Sonya has to accept the challenge. And Raiden replies with, I have nothing left to teach you. I have nothing left to what? teach you. What? Uh, Fuck! I have it in all capital letters. You have taught nothing, Raiden. <laughs> you have taught nothing! You have vaguely referenced the rules. You vaguely mentioned there was a rule. Apparently there's a deleted scene where they were all handed books, like, on the boat or something and had to study. You see, yeah, there, there was a scene with that lady with the headset that we were discussing <laughs> earlier, and there was a slideshow, <laughs> and there was, like, there were snacks there, and they went over... Most of the rules, the basic ones, you can't over, you know, and that is how Liu Kang knows that she has to accept the challenge. God, so convoluted. And yeah, this is supposed to be her actual arc is that she has to say no to a fight. Mm -hmm. And trust in others. So much for a revenge story. Except back up. <laughs> know your place is what <laughs> is the lesson of this movie. Pretty much, yeah. Wow. A woman can't get ahead on her own. The idea of a woman getting ahead on her own is is disgraceful. Yeah. Can't have any of that. Let the men handle it. <laughs> so awful. This movie. Johnny Cage and Liu Kang go to Outworld. And they Which is Discount Mordor, by the way. Discount Mordor, but it also looks like Thailand meets Mad Max. A couple of Buddha faces, you know, that have been thrown on the place. Yeah, that's that's the tile part. So they get there, they're walking down the road, something runs behind them. And Luke Kang, again, because he's the chosen one, or who the fuck knows, just instinctually knows that Reptile is in a certain place cloaked. And he just grabs him and starts fighting. In his defense, I wouldn't listen to Johnny Cage's quips as he was walking through, like, oh, I'll break a nail or whatever he was saying. <laughs> yeah. I, I tried to block it out. Yeah, and Lou's like, shut up. Something is following us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Johnny Cage was just bitching about a lot of shit that was very self-serving. So now they fight. But because when they first get there, we see these really creepy hanging statues. Reptile goes into one of these statues and then he finally turns into a human. Scorpion or Sub-Zero, but he's wearing the green outfit. Yeah, at this point I wrote, Reptile humanizes and gets a narrator to say his name. <laughs> we have some rave music once more. Yeah, we can't get up and dance in the, in the movie theater. Here's the crazy thing. They crash through a wall and they're fighting in this church temple kind of thing and there's this long fight between Liu Kang and Reptile and at no point does Johnny Cage come in <laughs> hey bro you need some help <laughs> I just talk Oro I'm tired you fucking handle this well this was much earlier when I said once you know this about Reptile it makes sense and you can see how fake his statue is this was Reshoots. The test audiences wanted more fighting, so that's where we got scaffolding hell. Johnny was just supposed to win in the forest, and they created the reptile fight. And I think that because of this, they had to create everything of reptile in the movie, which is why it's so shit every single time you see him. 
They had to cram in Liu Kang's signature move with the high kicks in the air. Mm -hmm. uh, you mean it was called the bicycle kick, and that was, again, one of the moves that you really, really wanted to learn how to do when you played him, when you played the video game. Oh, God, yeah. So he kicks him back out. He kicks Reptile back out outside, and he turns back into a, the statue. With the little weird tie-dye cg thing inside of him the thing bleeds bugs this whole movie was trying to reference indiana jones because there's cockroaches and worms oh it really wanted to i mean in all those statue scenes with raiden you know you just wanted the lightning to flash off one of them and sala to be off screen <laughs> saying <"Arr!" laughs> and so luke can crushes reptile with his foot and that fight ends. briefly i do want to bring up and this is another one of those great sort of tidbits at the very end of the credits snake and insect action was monitored by the american humane association which commends the filmmaker for his responsible and sensible treatment of even the smallest of earth's creatures it's mm -hmm. <laughs> amazing so none of those animals insects were actually hurt in the movie Liu kang did not actually squish some worms and cockroaches that makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside it makes me kind of hate him because I'd see him and be like, no, fuck this, you're dead. And so Katana shows up. I think Raiden called her. It was like, hey, they're in your world now. They're walking down this road. And she says to Liu Kang, you're finally learning, Liu Kang. <laughs> what are you learning? What is he even learning? <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, this movie thinks drop stuff and it doesn't. The stuff that it does drop for us to pay off. They just deal with it in the next scene, and that's it's over. He has learned how to decipher her riddles and kick water. That's what he's well, learned. Well, and she brings well. up again that, that they had won um, 10 straight victories. This world was beautiful, and then they won 10 victories in Mortal Kombat, and this will happen to your world. But I'm pretty sure you already kind of figured that shit out by now. Well, again, this is for the people in the audience who, forget, who forgot the rules. <laughs> because they were never... I know. This is also before the YouTube sort of craze. This is before our attention span was two minutes. The internet wasn't there yet, so people could nitpick like we're doing now. Just nitpick right. the entire movie. <laughs> yeah, she talks about how the Emperor, who we haven't seen yet, conquered her world through Mortal Kombat. They killed her parents, but they kept her alive so that the Emperor could lay claim to the throne. Why would he need you to do that? He's just conquered your planet. That's all he needs. Hey, I'm emperor now. I don't know. Maybe I'm overthinking things. I'm overthinking things. Anyway, so now... <laughs> How's it feel? So now we, we see the dark tower, the spooky tower, which kind of looks like the one from the video game. <laughs> it's it's man Doom. I have Sauron just peeking behind it. We goes up the thing and into a chamber, and we now see Sonya Blade tied up in a skimpy Xena warrior princess dress. <laughs> it's so awful. Both hands chained either side like King Kong. I would just want to know why these sheer cliff faces are always the way into giant chambers. They didn't build inside of these towers or spires or anything. <laughs> it's, this, it's this two foot wide path to get anywhere. This is the time where we find out that Shensung wanted Sonya alive because she's a woman. And um, this had to have been the only reason that he wanted to fight a woman instead of a man. And all these times, like his 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 pl his wonderful plans for beautiful Sonya was to dress her up and handcuff her. And uh, bring in the uh, other world monks. Yeah, to watch. 
Oh, and, and just to make the look complete, they used nine gallons of hairspray. Oh, yes. To, like, tease her hair out. Yes, this is like almost some Tina Turner Thunderdome shit going on. <laughs> this put multiple holes in the ozone when they did this scene. And this is why it justifies how long it took Lou and Johnny to get there because they had to get her changed. They had to get her hair done and teased up and, you know, oh, yeah. everything looking right. And now now this this scene is where the extras budget went. <laughs> this is the scene because we get this monk procession. So the room that like Sonia's tied up in has like the Mortal Kombat sign in the center. Yeah. Why the fuck are these monks here? Why are there monks anywhere? I don't understand why there's an excess of monks in this world. Because there were some floating in the game. That's why. This came out before Mortal Kombat 2. So they wanted, so they were talking to the company that made the game, and so they put elements that were going to be in the game that was coming out, like these monks, in the movie. So, uh, oh, really? Okay, because by the time I'd seen it, two had come out. I'm, I want to double check on that because, like, Katana's from the second game. The whole thing about the emperor and her father and that whole deal is from the game. Sonia being Sonia standing there in chains is from the second game. She is not playable. She is captive. Yep. Oh, fantastic. Mm -hmm. Well done, game. Yeah, so these monks come in and they do like this weird circle around the Mortal Kombat sign. In this, like, the logo. Yeah, the logo. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case you thought it was CGI at the beginning. <laughs> and so Sonya Blade is refusing to fight because she believes that her friends are going to come and save her. And my note in all caps is, when did they become friends? <laughs> they are not friends. In any way, shape, or form. There's no friendship moment. There's no reconciliation of their earlier conflicts. It's just, well, we're the only three people from Earth realm. I guess we got to be buddies. Yeah, it's such a Book of Mormon moment where it should have been, we're not best friends. You're just some guy I got stuck with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the actors couldn't do anything friendly with the dialogue. Sonia couldn't even strain any kind of affection for Johnny. Even when Johnny had his moment of, I know how to do this, I know how to fix this, I know how to get us out of this, even then, Sonya's going, oh, fuck you. <laughs> yes. Saying, I will sacrifice my life for you and fight for Goro, Sonya Blade is, oh, you're such an asshole. <laughs> Which he is, to be fair. She is. That doesn't indicate that their relationship has evolved. <laughs> so then we get the dumbest reveal of the movie. Even <laughs> Yes. Where it's like, you know, where are your friends? Right here. And they just take off their fucking hoods. And it's We're already the here. Liu Kang and Johnny Cage came in with the fucking mugs. Oh, that's what Raiden taught them. How to dress as a monk. <laughs> how to disguise themselves. That's the most likely theory, but I don't want to give Raiden that credit. <laughs> I don't want to give the Reddit credit either, but I'm finding shit. I'm going to say Katana taught him on the way up the tower. Because I think Katana was also one of like in one of the monks like robes as well. Because she's there too. Katana lectures Shang Tsung about trying to win Mortal Kombat through treachery, and so Shang Tsung challenges Johnny Cage to Mortal Kombat, but Liu, no, I challenge you to Mortal Kombat. Do you accept? He like rips his shirt off because now yeah, chops the robe. Now we got to see just how buff Liu is. So Shang Tsung accepts. And he dismisses the monks. He tells them to get out because, again, they finally completely <laughs> ran out of fucking extras budget. The whole reason for the monks was for them to somehow sneak in 
instead of run in and say, we're already here. Away with you, plot device. Yeah, and so they had to slowly shuffle in with the rest of the monks as they went around in a circle. So now it's time for the final battle. Yeah, but before we can start fighting, Johnny Cage has to be a giant perv. Oh, right! <laughs> right! Just in case you by any chance were liking him throughout this <laughs> entire movie. Yeah, just in case you thought he was a good guy. I totally blanked this part out. So I, I think they get like Sonya out of the handcuff chain things. And so Johnny gives the most like overt like look up and down her body, checks her out, and she just rolls her eyes at him. Uh, I think he makes a comment. I didn't write it down, but it was... Yeah, he compliments her dress. Nice dress. Ugh. It's just like when I first met you. You haven't changed at all. It's almost like you haven't had a character arc. Ugh. He had that moment on the beach where it seemed like he was becoming a better person. No. The whole thing is supposed to be overcoming fear. And at no point has any character been afraid at any point <laughs> during this movie. There has been absolutely no expression of worry <laughs> or threat or enjoyment for that matter <laughs> because you couldn't have any of these characters be human lust even johnny cage is opposed to this giant perv but i just don't think he's his heart's in it in into any of it it's just so but then all is forgiven because once again we hear those epic words Mortal Kombat! And like, what, we get to hear the theme song again. Yeah. And so there's fighting, and at some point, Liu Kang splits Shang Tsung's lip open, and just so we know that, yes, he can be defeated. If it bleeds, we can kill it. <laughs> and Shang Tsung is like, the fuck did you just do? <laughs> exactly. Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. <laughs> Nobody! So Shang Tsung conjures like a skeleton spirit and it, there's like these manholes around the Mortal Kombat logo on the ground, but they've all got their own little Mortal Kombat logos on them. And just out of these manhole covers, these random dudes just pop out, burst through. He reiterates that, uh, you know, he has a thousand souls because we haven't covered that enough yet. But apparently only five showed up. The others are just what, uh, I don't know, they're playing craps in the back of his soul prison or whatever right the souls are these manifestations of souls are these just bodies that are hiding in these manhole covers like again no explanation of what this is the souls thing doesn't make any sense even in the context of what's going on but Liu kang beats the shit out of these goons and, and dusty samurai dude did really give it a go dusty samurai yes that's a great explanation of the final guy he beats up but I'm, as i'm watching him beat up these goons my first thought is how is this not cheating in mortal Kombat? so if it's a one-on-one -on -one fight you can't bring your buddies that's clearly cheating because his true power is the souls again i'm overthinking that is him using the souls that's him using the souls but they're not souls they're I, okay okay i'm overthinking again i'm just gonna let it go because this bothered me for some reason <laughs> and so while at, at the end of this there's this elevated platform above the arena with this massive staircase going up and it goes nowhere there's a ledge with a hole with some light in it <laughs> There's a ledge and the wall has a hole. The architects in Outworld, you know, they they, <laughs> they lost track of what they were building, you know. So Liu Kang, to get up to him, has to run up these stairs. 
And no joke, we watch him run up these stairs for 30 seconds. Yeah, but he runs these stairs like a boss, man. He is like double or triple staring this thing. <laughs> he's he, he's not like tick, 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 tick. He is long striding this fucking staircase. They could have cut somewhere. No, we got to watch him go up every single fucking stair. Tension. Again, because Katana's, I don't know what the fuck her purpose is other than be Liu Kang's cheerleader. She's just whispering inspirational shit that there's no way... That he could possibly just like Jax at the beginning, reiterating shit for the audience. And then Shang Tsung turns into Liu Kang's brother, uh, right in front of him as well. Yeah, like he turns around as if it's I can't see you, you can't see me. <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> and then spins back as his brother, and Liu buys it buys it yeah you just immediately suck it into it oh shit where'd you it just peekabooed him <laughs> and while this is going on spikes come out of the the mortal Kombat logo directly below them and which we learn was clearly made out of gold painted tinfoil <laughs> yeah, spikes just come through foil what was holding everybody up when they were walking <laughs> and fighting on this thing <laughs> they should have torn the shit out of that stuff it's very easy to tear <laughs> jang sung turns back into himself and they keep fighting we got the chosen one shtick the chosen one yeah. shtick yeah which hasn't been established at all about what it's about or hero of a thousand faces yeah chosen one yeah Movie cliche, tick. So then for some reason, souls start leaving Shang Tsung. Like he's losing his power over these souls and they're starting to leave his face. Because <laughs> words. Yeah, because words. Liu Kang said some stuff to him and that makes him leak souls. So Liu Kang, he gives Shang Tsung a chance to surrender, but he doesn't. So Liu Kang, again, if you know his powers, you can shoot fireballs from his hands in the game, but he doesn't shoot a fireball. He touches him, and red stuff comes out of his hands, and that causes Shang Liu Kang has the power of Reiki? <laughs> yes, he kills Shang Tsung with Reiki. <laughs> and so Shang Tsung falls down off the platform and he gets impaled on the spikes below. And fucking Liu Kang, he looks down from the ledge and he says, flawless victory and no motherfucker it wasn't you got hit multiple times <laughs> all his victories work he smashed your face in the ground you did not come out of this unscathed not at all so but we need to repeat lines that's what's important <laughs> the line was repeated exactly <laughs> that's what's important but god damn uh shang Tsung's corpse becomes beef jerky turns into like a shriveled skeleton because again they're ripping off indiana jones at all times he really wanted to make indiana jones give him a indiana jones movie he really wants one so all the souls a soul tornado that goes up to the sky through the center of this chamber and if you remember when beasting dave chappelle got his soul sucked earlier he was clearly like had his arms up get that effect and so you see these souls in the background they have these actors who clearly had flatable arm flailing tube man <laughs> Just like, <laughs> their arms up and all we're free, we're free. And the acting on some of these people who are souls is sarcastic. It's just me, <laughs> me soul. I'm free. Yay. <laughs> That's where the other half of the extra budget went. <laughs> 
there's a line item for sarcasm <laughs> in the fucking extras budget. And so Luke Kegg's brother, his soul steps out into like from this vortex and looks like it's just him. And, you know, he talks to his brother and he says, don't worry, I'll be there with you always. The brother goes back into the soul spire. You get an exterior shot of the like, a pillar of light coming out of the dark tower. It's all, I guess, as all the souls are leaving. And then we come back into the chamber and all of Liu Kang's friends, question mark, are looking up at him. And he does get the beautiful cliched line, let's, let's go, go home. <laughs> if you haven't hit bingo at least 20 times during this movie, I don't know what you're paying attention to. It's the final scene of the movie. They're back at the temple where Liu Kang's from and there's kids running around. And now everything's blue. They got blue flags. Everybody was wearing red robes earlier. Now it's all about the blue. We are here still hearing really bad techno. And Johnny and Sonia are walking like they've been a couple this whole time. I know! <laughs> How the fuck? Why? You have not set up this payoff. Raiden, he's there and he talks about, oh, I didn't know like what the outcome of the thing will be. And they're looking at him like, you clearly planned this party. You knew this was going to happen. You got these flags made. Well, he just sort of confirms that he contributed absolutely nothing to this entire movie. Nothing. Meaning. He did nothing. <laughs> and so we think like this is going to be, you know, happy and like whatever. Nope. Because after being referred to the entire movie the motherfucking emperor shows up. We get the shitty ND filter darkness. Them clouds come rolling in. And the emperor breaks one of the, the spires of the temples and he shows up this big yellow. His hologram projected against the cloudy sky. That's what it is. There's a Scooby-Doo mystery about this, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently he's also after souls. I thought that was Shane Sung's thing, but apparently developing a different kind of villain would have been too much thinking required he literally says i've come for your souls and then raiden says i don't think so and everybody strikes a fighter pose and then mortal combat end of movie the music and then you just enjoy that song during the credits and somehow you feel a lot better about giving your life to that movie and 12 year old me was like oh fuck yeah there's gonna be another one oh god <laughs> and i don't i don't know what the hell it played before but um you know a few years later i remember seeing a trailer for the second one and i guess i didn't actually watch it i just had the oh shit it's a moral combat sequel fuck yes because there is not a single thing you can watch from this movie, a trailer, a clip, a scene, anything that will make you excited. <laughs> All right. And that was Mortal Kombat. Now, before we go, uh, as millennials, we grew up with after school specials. And so that means that everything we watch has to have a moral to it. So, Jules, what did you learn today? Well... I learned that I'm safe so long as the lovable black guy goes first. <laughs> I think that's the moral to most movies of the 90s. And before. And before. Why, why, why was it always the lovable black guy who died? I, I just, uh, how did I not recognize that pattern until I was a teenager? I'll, I'll never know. Uh, so, John, what did you learn? I learned that violence is always the answer. It doesn't matter if you're awkwardly throwing someone around on a beach or 
may be hosting a nice welcoming banquet. A judicious application of ass kickery is always necessary. And that's important to life, you know? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, even before you hand someone an autograph, you got to, you know, test them. If if someone parks in your space, there is only one solution. (laughs) Get that get psyched mix on. That's right. And I learned that even though I have the muscle mass of a stale gummy worm, I can, in fact, beat the shit out of a large Australian man. It's, it's comforting. So now, before we go, folks at home, we got to let you know what we're going to be doing for our next episode. So, John, what do the folks at home have to look forward to? Well, next time, we will be diving into at least the early episodes of Rugrats. And how about you, uh, just just to get the folks at home excited as well, tell them about your favorite review that you have found of the this classic 90s kids show. This is really interesting. It's a very modern review. It's a single sentence long, and it really wants me to go back and revisit it because I don't recall Rugrats. Anyway, let me just read it. <clears throat> this show is basically Rick and Morty but with babies, dinosaurs, and more babies. <laughs> and that was posted um, oh just this past August, 2020. Oh my God. And that's our show. If you liked it, please subscribe. If you loved it, please share it with all your friends. And whether you liked it or loved it, we'd appreciate it if you gave us a five-star rating on iTunes to help others find us. 